Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week. It's another episode. And it's a super special episode. It's... The first release of my my lockdown recordings. So we're currently in the middle of April, experiencing a very strange time. Um, we're all staying indoors and, and, and doing all the right things we need to do to ensure that sooner rather than later we'll all be healthy and, and, and back out and being able to interact with our friends and, and record podcasts in the same room, you know. And, and, and but in the in the meantime. I've took this opportunity of staying indoors uh, to, to reach out to people. And with the, the miracles of, of Skype and Zoom calling and the benefits of having someone like 76 in my corner that can get two separate audio tracks from two separate parts of the country and paste them together to make them sound exactly like our normal studio podcast should. Um, I'm very lucky. So thank you very much to 76 for doing this. And, um, and my guest today uh, was on Skype from from right up in the sticks in, in, in Yorkshire Way. And it's a returning guest. And it'll be the first of hopefully a few returning guests. Because what I like to do, if you've listened to all the series, you'll know that when I have people like Jags back or Jason Perry, I like to do like live specials. I've done the same with John Kennedy as well. Um, where rather than talking about the tracks that have been sort of instrumental in their creative journey, I do live gigs both ones that they've played and ones that they've um, witnessed so that's the the kind of feel for today's show and today's show features the wonderful James Atkin um, of EMF uh, and James is here as well today to discuss his new album which is uh, which is incredible and he's super kind uh, insofar as you can have it for free or if you're feeling generous and you want to support his art you can donate so um, I'm, I'm loving the, the sort of stuff that's coming out in these the, these these weird times we we find ourselves in at the moment. So um, well, also just a few other shout outs as well. Um, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, and yeah, once again, huge thanks to to 76 for producing this, and uh, and obviously huge love to James for for giving up his time and and sitting in his studio and and having a natter with me. So um, I guess that's all I need to say, other than stay safe and uh, and do the right thing. And please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast, live special with James Atkin. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. 
and they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, well, welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. Uh, I have returning James Atkin. You all right? Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me again, Stu. You Okay. I'm good, I'm good. Well, this is the third, third time, because we tried it yesterday, and, uh, and we had some glitches in the system, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how much my IT skills are coming together, <laughs> problem solving on your own. It's like, uh, yeah, so yeah, hopefully we'll be good today. Wonderful. Well, um, we had a nice little catch-up yesterday, mm. that was a good thing. We did get to, uh, to have a natter on Skype for for half an hour but what we didn't talk about yesterday which we will talk about today um is the fact that you've got new music out i have yes i've got a new album um okay and um i've just been um doing a little bit more sort of prep on it and having a listen um i mean there's a few things that we'll we'll talk about the album as we sort of go through this podcast and because you've done off the beaten track in the format that um most people are familiar with when I have friends come back on and, and, and do other chats, then I'll try and sort of then loosely base it around sort of a live gigs type thing. So I want to talk about some of the concerts that you've been to, some of the concerts that you've played and, and just memories and, and stuff that's around them. But just getting back to the album, um, this is something that, that, that is, is that, that I was quite um, impressed with. So you've done the kind of pay what you want. Yes. And, and it's also um, for a, a charity that I didn't know about until until yesterday as well. So do you want to sort of explain a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, it seemed a bit weird releasing a record in the traditional sense. So I had the record ready to go um, to release. And then all of a sudden, all this kind of went on. Um, obviously, I still wanted to get the record out there, but it didn't seem very fitting to try and sell a record it just didn't seem right for some reason especially when people obviously struggling losing jobs losing gigs uh, your clubs closed down Stu I know this and you know people are finding it pretty hard at the moment so I thought let's just give the record away um it's been 12 ma- months in the making <laughs> you know music is kind of free almost anyway um, so I've made it available as yeah. a digital download um and then I had a bit of research and I thought, well, maybe there is an option to press a button where you can pay what you want. And I've set that up where all the proceeds from that go to this charity called Help Musicians, which um, I it's been set up by the MU and it's, a, it's sort of an emergency fund for musicians who are struggling at this time. So, um, and mm. it's gone really well. And I wasn't expect. I thought people would just download it for free, but people have actually donated. So, <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's been great. It's been good. And it, you know, it's good. And we touched on this yesterday, but, you know, it's impossible not to sort of talk about this because, I mean, it should be pointed out that we're recording this slap bam in the middle of of lockdown um but i know know that you also recently recorded with um our our friend rich wilson on on his podcast and and whether you be a a musician um or or a club promoter or a stand-up comedian like rich's it's it's a strange time i mean you know taking nothing away from anyone else everybody's experiencing massive sort of changes in, in in you know globally but um i think for for people that work in hospitality and you know the, the entertainment industry, it, as much as it in it, it's put a kind of a stop on being able to sort of gig in the traditional sense, 
we, we did touch on this yesterday, James. Um, but I think it's really good that people are looking at other ways to kind of create and put it out there. You know, whether Richie's doing, you know, cabaret mm. shows with 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 his, with his girlfriend, you know, from their flat, and and you're putting out music now that you're saying, well, look, you know, just take it. And, you know, if you want to contribute, brilliant. And it's going to a charity that is helping creatives continue to sort of try and earn some money creating. I think I think when all of this ends, I think we'll look back and go, some amazing, you know, obviously I'm not taking anything away from the, 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 the horrendous situation that we're in. But I do think creatively afterwards we will look back and there will be some really good things that have, have been created in these moments. Do you know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. I mean, it... it it's amazing how quick people can adapt and change. And it will be interesting to see after this whether this will carry on. You know, you only have to go through your Facebook feeds and see how many live streams there are. I must admit, it is a bit saturated with live DJ sets and stuff through with not very yeah. great sound. Um, so, mm. but, you know, maybe the music and the markets like that. Anyway, you've kind of got to hunt around and see what's, what's out there. Um, Completely. I, it, wor- it certainly works for me because, you know, I'm quite isolated up here in the Yorkshire Dales anyway. The thought of going off and doing gigs is kind of quite hard work. Um, and the thought of just... Yeah. We, did, we did one last Saturday of setting up in your studio space, um, making sure you got a really good sound. We, we made sure we had a really good camera so it looked really good. Uh, and doing it like that, it's easy. I, I did miss going to the dressing room afterwards and drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels and hanging out, but, you know, it was different. <laughs> it was different. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a different way of working and I think creative people just get have creative ideas, hopefully, and get can get their music and ideas out there. Definitely, and I, and I think just having that that time to, to sort of stop and, and go, right, okay, well, I've got time now, so, you know, I can kind of start to facilitate them ideas that I've had. And, I, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of this this awful time that we're in. Uh, um, but I, I had someone do a, a podcast with me the other day, and uh, and he said, like, you know, obviously I've not really been out. I've had me a bit of exercise and I've not left the house. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently sitting here in a, in, a, in a shirt and a pair of shorts, just, you know, made very little effort. You know, I'll brush my hair for you, James. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah thank you. Um, I was chatting to someone the other day and he went to me, oh, I'm really excited to do this podcast. I said, oh, that's, that's, that's great, Sam. He said, um, I don't know why, but he said, like, I haven't really got dressed up for anything in the last sort of couple of months. <laughs> he said, but... I've put aftershave on to do this podcast. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I just yeah. You could kind of forget, didn't you? It's like, yeah, I had a shave and put aftershave on just to do a podcast from your it's shed. It's such a bizarre thing, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm guilty of that myself. I've actually put my be- my favourite hat on for you, Stuart. I don't know if you can see that. I've actually put <laughs> Thanks, my, my, gig- my gigging hat on. I was thinking, that's, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, look, I want to chat about um, a few... A few um, gigs and stuff James yeah. I mean uh, we should say that the first time we ever met which you probably won't remember but we the first time we met was when um you was doing gigs with um Justin from Elastica um as as Asbo Kid yep yep and you came to um Proud in Camden yes, and played, I remember and played that night. A, a, a gig for us yep um but what I want to ask a question first which um which is what was the first ever live show you went to James um well I was born in Birmingham. Um, I had an elder brother and cousins, and they would have dragged me to shows. And my my first recollection is of a show, uh, uh, what do you call it, an anti-racism, rock against racism show, which would have been ha- at Birmingham Civic Hall or Digbeth Civic Hall. Um, I seem to remember seeing Aswad, but I'm not sure whether I was just at the day event and I saw some dodgy punk bands. Um, yeah. My dad was a folk musician. He used to drag me around the folk clubs of Birmingham, so I used to see a lot of live bands that way. My first... I keep giving you so many answers today. <laughs> my first ever That's one... Good. The first one I ever went to when I was kind of a teenager on my own without my parents and stuff would have been Susie and the Banshees at Gloucester Leisure Centre. I mean, if you're going to pick a cool one for your first gig, I mean, it don't get a lot cooler than that, does it? Do you know what? It kind of blew my mind. It was, it was, we were sat right at the back in the seats, but I remember looking down and a fight broke out between some Gloucester skinheads. Um, 
and I remember Susie Sue stopping the gig and just calling them all dickheads and stuff and sorting it out. And I was thinking, wow, that is proper, you know, that stage power that, you know, and I was, I, yeah. I, I was totally in awe. Um, so yeah, what a good, that is a really good one. I, you know, I, yeah, I, did you know what? There was a time my mum and dad took me to see Steel Ice Span, but I'll, uh, <laughs> not as cool as Susie and the Batches. All right. So I'll stick with, I'll stick with Susie and the Batches for now, if that's all right with you, sure. So was you going to um, some because my, my, my sort of only experience of, of gigging and stuff in, in Birmingham was um, a venue, and I know he's been there a long time, he's a hare and hounds oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Digbeth. Yeah. Did you used to sort of frequent there? Uh, yeah, occasionally. I, I left Birmingham when I was 11 years old, so I didn't really hit, oh, right. hit the band scene. But like I say, my brother was five years older and he used to go to the hair and hands um i to be honest with you i have been to the hair and hands loads of times but not till you know in the last 20 years not in those first 20 years yeah. you know what i mean so um but yeah there were some good venues in birmingham so what was the first gig that you performed at um i had a music teacher who used to run a sunday blues afternoon club in a pub in the Forest of Dean. Um, and I remember going down there one Sunday afternoon. I probably just learned, I probably started playing the guitar, learned a bit of a 12, you know, a blues scale or something. And I got up and jammed with them, um, which was amazing. And I would have been about 13, 14 at that point. Um, but <laughs> again, there may have been an occasion where I might have played a jig on a mandolin at some folk club with my dad many years ago. So do you think that was like quite a, a sort of a, an influence on you like growing up in, in a musical family? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, my dad used to come and sing to me to sleep every night. He was... Really? Yeah, and... Yeah, it was lovely. And he was a... Um, he was very politicalised and... A, 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 a trade unionist so all the songs were kind of quite heavily you know <laughs> sticking to the union and black leg minor and all these kind of protests it, you know as in that folk sort of genre and scene very protest songs yeah which were great oh that's really really nice um so those kind of early gigs like uh, was you was you confident uh, no, I mean, I always, my motivation was always to show off. Um, <laughs> that was kind of the main motivation to have attention on me. Um, but I would not say I was comfortable as particular. I mean, I had a hell of a time in EMF being a front man, which never came that natural to me. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, but that was kind of part of the charm as well, I think, with EMF, the sort of reluctant singer. But uh, I, I love doing gigs, but totally scared before going on. Really bad nerves, stage front. To, to this day? Well, not so bad now, Stu, you know what I mean? I'm kind of, <laughs> I've kind of got over myself a little bit. But no, certainly back then, it was, um, it, it was very hit and miss whether I'd really enjoy a gig. Everything had to be right, if you know what I mean. But you, you mentioned that you wanted attention mm. and like, you, you know, you, you was you, like, and I find that really interesting that you, 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 you didn't have much confidence, but you was enjoyed showing off and wanted the attention. That's, that's quite a, yeah, well, I found, I, I, but I guess it's probably quite common as well in the music industry. I, I guess, you know, I was very, very, but, I was uh, very shy. And I think the performing and singing and playing guitar and stuff was, was my voice almost. So maybe that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. What, who did you want attention from? Probably girls. Yeah, that was it, really. It's a great way to get girls, and yeah. it be a pop star. Sounds, oh, well, sounds I'm, really I'm shallow. James, I'm asking you all these questions. <laughs> I'm asking you all these questions. I was a singer in my band, and it was for exactly the same reasons. I just, I just wanted you to just convince me that I was doing the right, I was asking the right things, and that that was exactly why, you know, I was doing what I was doing. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was, I was super shy. Yeah. But, um, but it was. It, it's, it's like it becomes your thing, doesn't it? Of and it does. like, and it makes you kind of stand out from some of the other people that are, might have been better at football at school. Yeah, totally, uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, so 
Go on. Sorry. No, I'm saying I'm glad you agreed with that because I just thought that sounded really shallow. Oh, I did it for music. No, of no. course not. It was just to get the girls. Get the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank, thankfully, like, um, I, I was in, you know, my, my band, I was constantly surrounded by, you know, a load of other scruff bags from Essex, whereas you happen to be in a band full of ridiculously good-looking people. So <laughs> I know, that's really hard. And they're all really tall as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't help. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, also, I'm, I'm interested that when when you first got into music, and 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 I guess you know EMF, I suppose uh, as as well back then. Like, what were the bands that kind of inspired you, and, and what was the bands that you know you kind of looked towards as as you know as as, as an inspiration, not just musically, but as, as uh, but for performance as well. All oh, right. Okay. So um, when we first started, um, we were obviously in school bands covers bands um and the first band that we were in we were just we just did jam covers like we had a whole set and that's kind of all we did i mean it's a great great learning curve and way to get you home your skills um but it was certainly the jam the buzzcocks some of that early new wave stuff to start off with um and then it was only later on we became indie kids and we got into the bunny men the smiths the cure uh this was before we'd become Dirty Ravers. Um, we were indie kids, and that was kind of our influences, really. And we, you know, we wanted to be in a band that sounded like The Cure. Yeah, we've all been there, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> and bizarrely, as I said to you, it was my birthday yesterday. Um, it was Robert Smith's birthday yesterday, so well. I share my birthday with Robert Smith. Uh, but, um, but I. But I do know that when we um, recorded last time, we did touch on uh, on your, your your beef with Robert. Oh, yeah, let's not go there now. <laughs> I need some new beef. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you you touched on there when when you become you know uh, ravers and and, and 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 I guess kind of it would have been what eighty eight, eighty nine when the kind of rave thing. I guess yeah. exploded nationally then. Um, I was going to ask you about the first festival you went to, but let's let's talk about the first rave you went to. Um, well, where we were in the Forest of Dean, we were quite a few years behind everybody else. Um, I did move up to London in probably eighty nine, eighty eight, and. I went to some of these clubs, like the Mud Club, the Wag Club, expecting this mental rave, acid house stuff going on. And it wasn't really happening, or I, I certainly didn't find it anyway. I remember dressing up in a smiley, ha uh, smiley face bandana, going to the Mud Club, and it not... I'm sure they were playing some Chicago house stuff, but it wasn't really, like, how it's made up to be. Um, and then it, we kind of... It wasn't until EMF broke... Even though we kind of had dance influences, we went off to America. And then when we came back from America, I kind of noticed a, a big shift, especially where we lived in the Forest of Dean, to the point where I was coming back from an airport one day and there's, there's actually roadblocks going into the Forest of Dean because people were throwing illegal parties. And it would have been illegal parties that would have been the, the first thing in the Forest of Dean that we would have gone to. Probably not under any specific any names or anything but just people hosting their own parties how much of an impact did that have on you well it was massive i mean we certainly were listening to a lot of dance music a lot of Blairic music and stuff like nitzer ebb um and do you know what one of the main things i don't know if i told you this last time Derry took us down to exeter to go and see this band who had a very, they had a crossover thing going on, guitars and dance music. And they just brought out a record called Info Frico. And we went, and it was, because Derry was really influential. Derry used to just push us in the right way with all the music influences and stuff. And we went and saw this band, and it was after we saw Jesus Jones that we came back. And we were just going, yes, that's what we want. We were kind of indie kids. Yeah. We love dance music. What, you can put this together and come up with some, you know really cool sounds um so yeah I, t I don't i don't tell many people that but jesus jones was probably our influence <laughs> <laughs> it's out there <laughs> oh ian baker he's gonna be made up to oh, it he's a good lad though. um yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, do you know what? It's really weird because um, I've, I've spoke to Ian on, on this podcast as yeah. well. And, um, and the first time I ever went into my club as a clubber before I, I worked there, the record that was playing when I walked in was Info Freako. And I remember walking in and just being... I was one of the irritants that would go and ask the DJs what everything was. And, uh, and I remember just going straight up and going, what is this record? And he went, oh, it's called Info Freako by Jesus Jones. And I was like, wow. And we spoke yesterday about our, our mutual friends, um, Jason and yes, Adam yes, Perry. Yes, yes, um, And I had Jason on and, and we was talking about um, really, really important records in his life. And straight away he was like... Info Freako. I think I, right. I really think it is an important record. It's and it sounded so fresh at the time and new. And there's something really good about that record. So yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Great choice. Great choice. Um, so, what was the first gig that you played that? And and I mean this sort of. And I want it to sound sort of tacky, but that felt like a proper gig, if you know what I mean, like. Um, Not like sort of playing it in, in school at a blues show. I mean, like, what was the one where you thought, well, we've got like a dressing room and like, and you know, and maybe there were some beers and things like that. Do you know what I mean? When it's like a proper gig where you just think, oh, wow, this is, this is like maybe a little bit of a step up from like the, the kind of the, the, the local gig scene. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. And it's quite hard to think back on that, really. I was, um, yeah, gosh, it's such a hard question. Uh, Probably that first tour with Adamski, where we were a support act actually on the road. Other than that, it'd been like, you know, little gigs here and there. To go out and do five nights on the trot, that's when it started to feel, oh, this is a bit more serious. This is like life on the road. We're in a band now. Um, so, yeah, I guess going out with EMF, although we had done some fantastic gigs, just one-off gigs... Uh, and certainly going off and touring out of the UK, um, you know, getting a tour bus in America and things like that, that was pretty mind-blowing. Um, oh, that must have been incredible. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I never knew that. I never knew you went out with, with Adamski. Um, oh, fucking hell, that tour, man. That was, yeah, that was, we were still young. We hadn't even recorded the first album. I don't think Unbelievable hadn't even been released. And um, we went out with Adam... Um, there was just the five of us in a transit van with the person doing the sound driving the transit van, staying in really dodgy B&Bs and cheap hotels. And it, it was completely wild. You know, it's just... With the, so was... God, sorry, Stu. So had Adam put out um, uh, Live and Direct by then? And, uh, and had he put out... Um, had Killer been out by then? I think or? Killer was out at about the same time because I seem to remember after that tour we were uh, attending a lot of events together like the Brits and things like that. He'd certainly had live and direct out and energy and all that. He was... It was a strange one because obviously he was clubbing like dance music but he had a live thing together. Um, mm. It was... It was quite hard for Adam, I think, because when we started the tour... We just released Unbelievable, I think, and it was climbing the charts. And by the end of the tour, we were all over those magazines, like Smash Hits and things like this, and all the yeah. all the kids' magazines, which is kind of where we first started. Um, uh, so yeah, it was a, it, it was a strange one. It was because things seemed to happen really qu quick in them days. You know, two three weeks back then was a lot could happen. Yeah, you know, like front pages of magazines in all the red top newspapers for the antics. You know. Yeah setting fireworks off at the back of the transit van down the M6 and things like that, you know. But, you know, press, people love press like that, don't they? Brilliant. And, and it's really weird because, like, I think of, like, the things that, you know, I used to get up to then and, like, and now being, like, a grown-up with kids, like, if I see someone doing that now, I'd be so disgusted. <gasps> I'd be like, oh, that's, that's outrageous. I can't believe they're doing that. Horrified, <laughs> horrified. Oh, yeah, I know. Some of the stupid things we used to get up to. Just so carefree. It was brilliant. What an amazing time. Well, it's, it's really weird because I spoke to um, Adam the other day mm. and he's just um, put out, because it's... Um, not wanting to make you feel old, but that was 30 years ago, Killer. Mm. And uh, and he's just re-recorded lots of different 
versions of, of of Killer. I don't know if you've heard any of them. I have. Yeah, I've checked a few of them. Yeah. Some crackers. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it sounded really good. I, d- okay. I did see him. I saw him just before Christmas. Actually, we were DJing at that Shine event down in um, Minehead, and he is such a strange character. He was DJing at three in the morning, and then. I had to walk him back to his chalet because he was a little bit worried that he was going to get jumped by a load of manks in bucket hats and he's <laughs> so uh, yeah which I, and I've done that before actually I've actually saved him once before when he, his house was getting burgled when we lived in Camden and he, he came running around my house uh, we were actually in Mayfair Studios he came running around and says oh my alarm's going off some people are in my house so we had to run around there there was no one in there in the end but um, yeah we've got quite a bit of history with Adam Oh, he's lovely. What what colour was his beard last time you see him? Well, it started off blue, um, but then when I went to, when I went to go and because I, I was DJing the next day, so are you going to come down and watch me DJ? And he was like, um, he goes, I can't come out. I've got to dye my beard. So I, God knows what colour it is now. <laughs> it's to, it's completely out there, isn't it? I'll tell you what, it was brilliant because um, I was I was looking for him. Like he got lost trying to find the studio when we recorded. And uh, and I hadn't seen him. He DJed for me about eight years mm. ago, and, and he looked very different to, to, to how he looked um, <laughs> when I met him that yeah. day. And so I was sort of wandering around with me maps, trying to find him. And I thought, where is he? And then I just looked, and there was a guy with like blue eyebrows, <laughs> and like, and I think it was like a yellow beard. And I was uh, like, I have a feeling that might be Adam. <laughs> uh, yes, he's certainly got his look going on, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, while we're talking about gigs and, and some of them first tours, like, who were some of the bands that you, you really enjoyed touring with? Um, I really enjoyed... When we went to America, EMF was riding really high and we got to choose our support bands. So we made a real conscious effort to get other UK bands over to America with us. Um, took the Stereo MCs, which was great. Um, they were really cool, although Rob did say... The worst thing about America was listening to EMF every night, which <laughs> I find quite funny. Oh, that's nice, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I did actually pull him up on it the other day, actually. He was all right about it. We laughed about it. And then, um, obviously, there was Carter, which... Um, so we took Jim, Bob and Fruit Bat over. Um, a little while before, we'd done a gig with them as a surprise guest, and Jim, Bob had encouraged his audience to just throw plastic bottles at us and plastic glasses at us. I, I, jokingly, but I got really pissed off with him. And then by this point, we'd already invited him to America. But so uh, I didn't know how that was going to go out, go. But we ended up getting on all right in the end. Although I was kind of thinking, that bugger. Thinking. So um, and then uh, my my favourite band of all time touring with has got to be the Mighty Pop Elite itself, who are just those guys. They they taught me how to be a rock and roll star. <laughs> Like, yeah, absolutely. And you've worked with them as well, haven't you? Like members of, of yeah, the I mean, me and, me over and, the years. Yeah, we've all, me and Fuzz and Richard, and we've all been very close. It's, it's really funny. It's at the time when you, you make friends that last for life, I think. I mean, prior to talking to you, I just rang up Richard to make sure that all the technology here is working. So, um, yeah, we talk, we talk on a daily basis, me and Richard. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Podcast, and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Well, you meant it's really weird. The first time I saw EMF um, was at at the club that I'm I'm still at now. And that was with Stereo MCs, I believe. Yes. Mm. I would say I did not know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure it was. Right. Okay. Sure it was. Uh, um, so okay, well, look, um, what I want to talk about with, with, with touring and stuff, and not you know, this isn't necessarily just about EMF. This is about you know your, your career in in, in full. Mm. Um, uh, what are your expectations of of you know? And, and I, maybe maybe this question is more back going back a little bit, but like the expectations of a tour and like what you thought it was going to be, and, and, and you know, what did you get from it? Um. Uh. Well. Certainly, back in the day, I I did find it quite hard. It was um, there was a lot of responsibility, especially being the singer in the band, where the other guys just seemed to be having a ball non-stop and really enjoying themselves and really partying and getting up to no good. And I had to keep a lid on it a little bit, just because my my own because, like I said, I was because I wasn't a very confident front man, not being confident with a hangover and or not going to bed can make it really difficult. So I kind of kept it together sure. a little bit. Um, it's, I think I, was, I don't know. I, in hindsight, I wish I'd enjoyed it a little bit more. It was, you know, the chance of being away and seeing all these places and it never really came to that. You'd be in a, you know, your tour bus in America, you'd end up in San Francisco and you'd just go to your hotel room and you wouldn't even bother getting out of bed and stuff like this. And you'd just say, what were you doing? doing it's like you know if you had that opportunity now you come blase yeah. to come blase to stuff really quickly um which is really sad um and i'm not going to give anyone any advice because you know I, I don't know what i'd be like if i did it all again now but i certainly hope to think i'd get out there and enjoy it a little bit more so how do you find get sort of gigging gigging now are you are you way more comfortable with it then yeah i've certainly found my confidence um probably only in the last decade um i think a lot of that's got to do with just growing up and doing other things apart from music you know i'm a, as you know Stuart, i'm a school teacher so standing up in front of like 28 unruly year nines and stuff like that kind of you get over yourself a little bit um so yeah, yeah i've got I've, had, I've grown as a person a little bit how did, how did that come about teaching uh, just by chance, really. I mean, I, I kind of plan to move to the countryside and retire, but uh, life is a little bit longer than that, isn't it? You kind of, so I kind of, um, I just fell into it, and it's great. It's a nice, it's a nice thing to do. I only do, I do part time, so it's not like, you know, too much, and I get to do a little bit of music mm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's good. It's hard work, but it's fun. I mean the, the the room you're in at the moment that um I, I can see via my laptop. Um, it looks like you've got a nice little den um, in your house that you can escape and get creative in. Yes, I have. Um, although it kind of gets overtaken with everybody else's stuff, like there'll be small bikes in the corner, and then before I know it, it's just used as a spare room. Um, so I've got to be quite disciplined and just throw everything out and re- reclaim my space occasionally. Um, but yeah, this, it has been a great advantage. It's nice to just nip away and be able to work when you want. Um, you know, these days you can make records in your house, which is perfect, isn't it? Well, let, let's talk about that then. So what what are the sort of obvious changes that 
that that that that you've seen good and bad in recording and releasing music in in over the last thirty years? Uh, it's a lot more accessible now. People can do it. Um, it used to be just for the rich and the privileged to be able to go into a studio. I mean, not so long back in the sort of mid nineties, you were paying five hundred quid a day to go into a studio. Now you could probably make an album for 500 quid and have it mastered mm. and released. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot more accessible. So, yeah, I think um, young kids are very intuitive about how to use computers. And I think it's a lot, little bit more about judgment now, getting the sounds right and rather than recording live instruments. Sorry, Rachel, I'm just doing an interview. Just give us a sec. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of music out there, whether it's good or bad, I'm not sure. I think it's, um, I think it's, in some respects, like, I love the kind of, the DIY culture of it now. And as you said about earlier about, you know, recording albums was for like the kind of privileged kids. Whereas, you know, I remember recording music and it was like, we all had to sort of try and find like, 50 quid each so we could pay like whatever it was like four you know 200 quid yes. to, to go and get like a little three track demo made at like your local mm. local studio and and, and invariably you'd, you'd get it back and it'd sound amazing when you was in your studio and then you put it on your <laughs> tape put it in your car on the way home and it sounded fucking dreadful yeah, totally. um but but now i do think it's it's really exciting that that you know that because just the thought of having a music video like growing up was like insane could never afford that and now like the the, the fact that you know you, you can record music on your phone you can make a video on your phone you can share it to like hundreds of thousands of people on your phone like i, I love the concept of that i really do um but i guess it you know it, the industry side of things for me is like how how can you facilitate that as a as an income as well and, and be able to make a living out of that and it not just be something you're doing in and around your job. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Um, but it, it's kind of just made it really hard for musicians. I, d I don't think musicians is a viable career these days, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I can't see how a musician can make it any money at the kind of, unless you get to that superstar level where you've got your own brands and sponsorship and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, because you're not going to sell any records. It's really, live gigs, I guess, but even merchandise, you've got to be kind of creative about your avenues of how to make money. But like you say, you can produce amazing sounding music that sounds so professional just from a little laptop and make perfect videos. Mm. So I guess the outgoings aren't going out there. But yeah, it's tricky. It's a completely different beast to how it was, you know, back in the day with us making records. Mm. How, do, how do you see that changing, if at all? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I could predict the future, I'd, I'd get on it. But I don't know. I really don't know. I guess people are always going to want to listen to music. Is, is there anything left in this art form, though? I don't know. It's it's, it's really strange because it, it it's one of them things where, as somebody that runs a you know for an alternative nightclub, whatever you know, whatever you choose to sort of you know call it. Um, you know, you've seen. I've seen so many kind of like sort of moments in in yes. in, in sort of indie music culture. You know, and so, and and it just seems in the last sort of five or six years that there's been no real kind of sort of tribes, if you know what I'm saying. Like there, there, there seems to be like quite a, just a a hell of a lot of people that are just like, yeah, you know, I like a bit of that. I like a bit of that, and there doesn't seem to be this huge sort of. There's, you know, and I, and I love to use the terms of Britpop or grunge. Yeah, no, it was. It was whatever, all. It was all about the tribes, wasn't it? And people following yeah. different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm missing that. But I thought I was just missing it because I was getting old and I'm not in touch with what young people are listening to. I know certainly my son, who's 13, 14 on Sunday, he'd like listen to some American hip hop trap music, which I don't understand. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, well, maybe that is the scene, and I just don't understand the scene. See, that's that's the thing I worry about. Mm. I worry about is it just the fact that I'm yes, getting old? Could be that's true. <laughs> and uh, it, do you know what? I, I'll tell you something that 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 that, that freaked me out. Um, about six months ago, I was DJing at my club, yeah. and uh, and and this young lady come up to me. She must have been about nineteen, twenty, and she went, "Are you Stu?" And I was like, 
yes. And I thought, <laughs> still got it. And she went, oh, my mum said to say hi because you went to school with her. And I just thought, oh, oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but, I mean, are you buying new records and playing new records out in the club? Or is you, are you, you know, are you playing? I am. I am. Right, okay. Um, it, and, it, and it's weird, though, because I would say that of the bigger percentage than ever in what we're playing is kind of retrospective stuff. Right, okay. Um, and, you know, we're still getting 18-year-old kids coming in asking for Blink-182, which to me, I still think is probably not that old. But, but it is. <laughs> it's probably 20 years old. You know, these kids weren't born when these records were coming out. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm finding now there's there's fewer bands that... And, and, and I think another thing that helps a DJ is lots of people used to wear band T-shirts. Yes, And of course. no one really wears band T-shirts anymore. The only ones that do are metalers, and metalers are, 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 are diehard till the day they die. Of you know, they, they wear their colours on their sleeve, and they're the only tribe, really, that, that you still see that you go, oh, it's a metaler. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. But, um, but, but growing up, and, and obviously, you know... Uh, uh, definitely throughout the time of all of them bands you mentioned Carter, Poppies, yourselves mm. like t-shirt culture was huge like everybody had like you know band t-shirts on it was you know it was it was where it was at and I think like that's just kind of changed as well and and I just you know and I also think like to be in a band these days as well like you know do you make that much money out of merch anymore is it still a huge thing and and but I guess if you're signed to a record label a lot of them are signed to these 360 deals where your your label gets that that income as well that's it isn't it yeah they're all wrapped up together isn't it yeah i don't know how young bands survive and manage to break through really um mm. yeah i mean it's it's a tricky one isn't it i know the gig in i guess live gigs is can bring in some sort of income but yeah we're Definitely. strange times it's different times Okay, well, look, I've got a couple more questions okay. for you, James. So we, okay. we're talking about live gigs. Favourite venue? Um, I would say to see a band, I would say the 100 Club. Um, to perform, I would say I like playing Brixton Academy. Oh, wonderful. Lovely. I don't like playing. Yeah. I love watching bands at the 100 Club, but I don't like playing at the 100 Club. So people are a little bit too close looking up your nose and stuff. But uh, <laughs> 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 it's good. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, mm. okay. And my last question for okay. you, James, okay. is um, you get to put on a mini festival and you can pick five bands or five acts. Who are you putting on? Right, okay, let's have a think. Alive or dead a, a li- in their prime? Alive, yeah, alive and dead. Right, I'm gonna have Jimi Hendrix. I reckon that'd be quite a good one to see live. Um, I would like Bob Marley and the Wailers. I'm not Wonderful. quite. I'm not quite sure he's going to headline just yet. Um, the specials. Um, Lovely. I want to go raving, so I'm going to have the Chemical Brothers, and then Wonderful. I think my headliners are going to be the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys. James, <laughs> I want guest list to this, mate. I want guest <laughs> yes, list. <okay>. But... <laughs> The Beastie Boys would headline mine without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, that's great, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) James, it's been absolutely lovely catching up and uh, and thanks so much for your time. So if people want to buy the new album or if people want to go and download it for free... um, Um, They can go download it for free uh, from jamesatkinmusic.com. It's up there for the next couple of weeks as a free download. I'll probably leave it up there as a free download, but then it'll be up on... um, all those streaming services like uh, where do people stream their music from? Mm-hmm. Apple Music and stuff like that. So it'll be Spotify. up there in a few weeks. Spotify. That's the one I was looking for. Probably the biggest one ever. Yeah. So, um, but certainly go to <laughs> jamesatkinmusic.com and you can download it for free. Um, and then there should be some physical copies eventually once we get through all this. And when we are all through this live live gigs? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of enjoying the. Um, internet live streaming gigs at the moment so (laughs) let's see i would hope so i would hope so i mean i did have quite a few emf gigs this year that might get rescheduled for next year Mm -hmm. and i just if there's enough venues and people wanted to go see bands because there's going to be a lot of bands trying to get back out again after all this isn't there definitely definitely um okay james it's always a joy 
and and thank you so much for your time because oh. I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much, Stu. It's always a pleasure. There you go. Off the beaten track. A quarantine recording, a lockdown recording, or whatever you want to call this bonkers scenario that we're all currently experiencing. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, as I said at the beginning, stay safe. Um, and if you've got the opportunity to and, and you're feeling focused and driven, then yeah, do something cool. Make the most of um, the opportunity to have maybe a bit of free time to create something stupid, you know. Um, start a podcast, that's a good idea. And if you like your podcast as well and you want to find out more, don't forget um, me, Scroob and Adam have got a magazine called Pod Bible. You can go and um, read it all online for free or if you want a little hard copy, send over to you for the price of a stamp and an envelope, we'll post you one out. You can find out all about that at podbiblemag.com. But that's me done for today. Thanks ever so much. I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. 